C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at CloroxHealthcare.com. Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome to the program, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Please visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products, keeping environments safer. CloroxHealthcare.com forward slash Radio. Our guests joining us today are Dr. Ken Blunt, PhD, Chief Scientific Officer, and Paul Plum, Head of the Clinical Operations from Rebiotics. Ken and Paul will be discussing the gut microbiome and the role it plays in overall health and Rebiotics' goal to rehabilitate the gut microbiome by utilizing their unique microbiota restoration therapy, also known as MRT platform, through its extensive clinical trial program. The science behind their products, product product development, and how patients are important part are important part of playing helping develop new drugs will also be discussed during this program. It is a pleasure to welcome our guests to the program. Welcome, Ken and Paul. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Thank Nancy. Thank you so much, this is Paul. Also, really appreciate being on the show today. Oh, well, we thank you so much, and thanks for your patience as we get this going today. Um, I'm going to just jump in here, Ken, and I'm going to ask you, can you tell us a little bit about Rebiotics and what the mission is? Certainly. Uh, We're a company based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and in short, our mission um, is to harness the power of the human gut microbiome to treatment, treat debilitating diseases. Um, We're the first and only company Um, in the microbiome drug development space to complete um, multiple phase two uh, clinical trials. Um, We've treated roughly 300 patients now, and really our our primary mission um, is just to treat diseases that are caused by imbalances in the gut microbiome. Okay, and Ken, what is the microbiome? Very good question. Um, the microbiome is essentially the, the bacteria that live in or on uh, a human person. Um, and the gut microbiome in particular is the bacteria and other microorganisms that make up um, a large, the large content of our intestinal tract. And it's the most diverse and dense collection of bacteria basically known. Um, it's very important to human health. The gut microbiome um, interacts with our immune system. It helps regulate our immune system. It helps regulate our metabolism. Um, it's important to, in, in short, it's important to keeping us healthy. And there are various insults that come from our environment that can cause a disruption in the microbiome, which we call dysbiosis. And our goal is to restore a healthier microbiome by treating that dysbiosis. Okay, that's really great information, Ken. And um, how are you attempting to treat these challenging diseases, and which diseases are you focusing on at this time? Yeah, excellent question. So the the way we treat them is through something called microbiota restoration therapy. And what that is, is it's a standardized, uh, stabilized drug um, that aims to rehabilitate that dysbiotic microbiome I told you about 
by delivering a specific and prescribed dose of healthy microbial organisms back to the patient that restore that healthier balance. Um, that, the, that group of microbiome, uh, sorry, that group of, of microorganisms includes both spore and non-spore-forming microbiome, sorry, microbes. Um, it's designed very with intent. It's designed to be easy to use uh, by patients, easy to administer by healthcare uh, providers, and, and quite importantly, it's therapy that we're aiming to have FDA approved, and that means that we're going through a rigorous clinical trial program. We talk to the FDA all the time about how that trial program should be run, what kinds of things they would like to see out of that program, what it's going to take from their perspective to have an approved product um, that we can deliver to patients through a standard uh, healthcare environment. Um, you also asked about what are the diseases that we're treating. Um, we're on spores and more. One of the most important and the first diseases we're treating is uh, Clostridium difficile infections or C. diff infections. Um, that's the, 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 the first and the most advanced disease, or sorry, the most advanced drug development program we have, but we're also looking at many other diseases caused by that dysbiosis, for instance, um, irritable bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, those types of things. There's a number of indications that are, are very closely related to the microbiome imbalance, and we're really seeking to, to treat them all. And you are, and we thank you for that. And Ken, how are you different than a fecal microbiota transplant, also known as an FMT? Very good question. So one thing that I started out by saying is that it's a, a standardized and stabilized drug product. So fecal transplant, um, as you've undoubtedly talked about on this program before, um, is basically a doctor has a donor that provides a stool sample that's homogenized and delivered to a patient, usually through a colonoscopy, usually with a patient prep. We're different um, in, that, in that it's a standardized product that's developed at our location in Minnesota. It's the same in every dose that we give, whereas a fecal transplant can tend to be a little different depending on the doctor, the donor, where you get it, um, how that doctor chooses to do it. That's more of a, you know, while that can be effective um, through you know, anecdotal reports, um, it tends to be a little different wherever you do it. Um, we're distinct in that it's a standardized product. It's stable. It's stored um, for long-term uh, use. So we make a dose and we can store it on the shelf, deliver it through the standard um, drug supply pathway that you would get any other drug uh, for C. diff or other indications. That's very important. The FDA approval part that we're doing as well is very important. Um, the FDA is a partner in this whole endeavor in that their goal is to educate and protect the public and the consumer and provide them with drugs that they can assure to the consumer are safe and that they can provide information specifically to a doctor um, as, as to how this will best benefit a patient and what the potential risks are. Fecal transplant is, is currently not regulated by the FDA, um, whereas our therapies are working their way through the FDA approval process. So that's really the some of the key distinctions between our uh, microbial restoration therapy and fecal transplants. Okay, really good information to know there, Ken. And um, what is RBX2660, and how is it different than other product 
um, products that companies are developing in this space? So RBX 2660, uh, or 2660 as we often call it, is our, our, our leading flagship product at this point. It's the microbial restoration therapy that I just described to you in an easy-to-administer um, enema format. Um, it contains a full spectrum of microbiota that make up a healthy microbiome. So that includes what we call spore formers or non-spore formers. It includes gram-positive bacteria, gram-negative bacteria. Um, in totality, it seeks to, to mimic and restore an entire healthy microbiome. That's distinct. Some of the other companies in the, in the space are developing the ones that are developing a drug in the FDA um, are developing what we would call a defined consortium, which is they, they've done science to try to guess what the perfect bugs are going to be that sort of stimulate that restoration process. In some cases, that would be just spores. In some cases, it might be just gram-negatives or just gram-positives. Um, our approach was um, we have high confidence that the full spectrum that includes all of the above um, will be effective. What we had to do was develop that in a stable standard format that we could administer a patient. So that's really the key distinctions um, from our, in our product compared to others. Okay, big difference. And can before we go to break, we have about two minutes before we go to break, um, can you tell us briefly about the accomplishments in the clinical trials? Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, one of our keys is to work with the FDA under what's called an investigational new drug application. And what that means is that um, we've gone to the FDA and we've said, here's our plan for developing our drugs, in this case, RBX 2660, clinical trials program. So, that investigational new drug application is basically a plan that we present to the FDA of how we're going to work our way through clinical trials to demonstrate that our products are safe and efficacious. Um, we've now completed three phase two trials that are targeted at recurrent C. diff infections, as we just talked about. One of those was randomized, double-blind placebo, which Paul can tell you more about the details of what that means. Um, and as I mentioned, we're the first and only company to successfully complete three of those types of trials. We've, we've treated uh, over 300 subjects, uh, patients to date, um, with that lead program, 2660. Um, so we can share more details after the break. Wonderful. Well, um, Dr. Blunt and Mr. Plum, thank you so much for introducing Rebiotics to our global listeners, along with the company's accomplishments and the Phase two clinical trial. Uh, like I said, we're going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will be discussing the importance of clinical trials, the FDA partnership, and more. Please stay tuned, for, and we will be right back after these messages. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. 
Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean, dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to the program and thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Ken Blunt and Mr. Paul Plum. And we thank you for being with us today. You're very welcome. Okay. Okay. And Paul, let's start with you. And if you wouldn't mind, um, can you share the results and highlights of the trials with us? Sure, Nancy, I'd be happy to. In 2013, uh, Rebotics received permission from the FDA to proceed with our first phase two clinical study. And the study's primary objective was to assess the safety of RBX 2660. And then additional information was gathered on efficacy. The overall efficacy rate um, of 87.1% in the study represented a significant improvement over the reported success rates for oral antibiotics, and the study showed a satisfactory benefit-to-risk ratio. The second phase two clinical study was a randomized, double-blinded, placebo-controlled trial that included long-term follow-up for two years. And this study demonstrated statistically significant, clinically meaningful differences between RBX treatment success as compared to a placebo control. One other thing it showed, Nancy, is that it showed that CBS infection-free rates for study subjects that were treated with the active drug were maintained longer term. Over 90% of the subjects that were successfully um, treated with RBX 2660 um, remained CDI-free at an average follow-up of eight and a half months. In our third phase two clinical study, Safety and efficacy of RBX 2660 was assessed as compared to a historical control of subjects who were identified through review of patient records. These were patients that received antibiotics for the recurrent C. diff infection, not RBX 2660. And the primary efficacy endpoint analysis on this of treatment success was, again, was very highly statistically significant. And then further analysis on RBX 2660 showed improvement in treatment success that remained significant against the control group that I described after adjusting for age, race, sex, and the number of previous episodes of CDI. So Nancy, the overall safety and efficacy results of these three phase two studies, along with our uh, rigorous donor screening process and implementation of quality assurance testing, demonstrated the potential for RBX 2660 to break the cycle of C. diff recurrence and positioned us and allowed us to advance into the phase three clinical development stage we are in now. Fabulous. And, Paul, the FDA plays a big part in getting approval to sell a product like yours. How has the FDA recognized this important product, and what will be your clinical research plan going forward? 
Well, first off, FDA approval is absolutely required before commercializing a new drug product like RBX2660, and we, we follow the FDA requirements very closely. So RBX2660 has received three special designations for its potential to prevent recurrent CDI, fast-track, orphan drug, and breakthrough therapy designations. And as a result of these designations, we work very closely, as Ken described, with the FDA and maintain an excellent relationship as we proceed through this investigation and drug development process. And, you know, and honestly, our clinical development goal to demonstrate the safety and efficacy of our microbiome-based drug product, the purpose of gaining regulatory approval, is really well aligned with the FDA's mission. And that, you know, that mission includes protecting the public health by ensuring the safety and efficacy of human drugs and biological products and advancing public health by helping to speed innovations and help ensure the public has access to accurate and science-based information. So right now, Rebotics has a phase three study that is currently active and enrolling in the United States and Canada. And this is a prospective randomized double-blinded placebo-controlled cl- clinical trial that's evaluating RBX2660 for the prevention of recurrent student infection. And then in addition, there, there's an ongoing phase one investigator-sponsored study of our non-frozen oral formulation, microbiome-based drug product, plus multiple phase one trials and feasibility studies underway that are targeting new disease states. And I'll just say it, it's a very exciting field of study, and, and hardly a week passes without news about you know the potential connection between the human microbiome and challenging diseases. Amazing, that's wonderful. And um, Paul, can you provide some thoughts on the current FDA guidelines? Sure. While there is you know while there's limited FDA guidance right now on the investigative process specific to microbiota-based drugs like our RBX2660, there is one significant FDA industry guidance that has been placed now for almost five years. And I'll just the title of it is Enforcement Policy Regarding Investigational New Drug Requirements for Use of Fecal Microbiota for Transplantation to Treat Clostridium Difficile Infection, Not Responsive to Standard Therapies. Wow, that's a long title. So in this guidance, the FDA states that they'll, they'll ex, that they intend to exercise enforcement discretion regarding the requirements of the use of FMT to treat of infection not responding to standard therapies. And they say they'll exercise this discretion provided that the treating physician both obtains adequate informed consent and, and ensures that they understand that the use of FMT products to treat C. difficile is investigational, investigational, excuse me, and discuss its potential risks. So in, in that guidance, they say that they will, they intend to exercise this discretion on an interim basis while the agency develops appropriate policies for the study and use of these type products. So this guidance while in place essentially allows physicians to treat recurrent C. diff diff infection patients with FMT outside of regulated and well-controlled investigational new drug studies. So this policy, as I said, has been in place for five years. And the one perspective I would share, and I really just do so as a dedicated clinical research professional, is, is that by providing access to treatment outside of these IND studies, it may make it much more challenging for study sponsors like Rebotics and others in this field to identify and enroll qualified study patient volunteers. We need these volunteers in order to complete our clinical studies. And a possible consequence of this could be that we significantly delay the approval and the commercial availability of approved microbiota-based drug products to treat this life-threatening infection. Exactly. And... Paul, do other companies, institutions that market and provide FMD, FMT conduct similar clinical trials? Well, first off, Nancy, you know, I would say there's a lot of excellent work underway to tackle C. diff infection, from new drug and vaccine development to antibiotic stewardship programs. And, and 
you know, you at the CDA Foundation, you do a great job of highlighting this work on your website. So Rebotics and other drug development companies follow this IND investigational new drug process. And, and as Kenneth said previously, we strongly believe in this process, which takes time and very significant resources. We believe it's the best way to advance new treatments with strong clinical evidence to support these safe and effective use. And the website, so if you want to look for companies that conduct similar trials, the website clinicaltrials.gov, all one word, clinical, one word, clinical trials, is one place to look for C. diff infection and other similar clinical trials. Okay, Paul. And Paul, can you um, share with us how patients can find out and get involved with the current RBX2660 clinical trial for recurrent C. diff? So this is a very important question, Nancy, because, you know, quite simply, clinical trials and these improved and new treatments that result from them would simply not be possible without study patient volunteers. And I want to recognize the tremendous contributions, contributions of patients that are willing to participate in clinical trials make and thank each and every one of you that might be listening today. So to learn more about the current RBX2660 Phase three clinical trials, you can go to our website, Rebiotics.com, that's R-E-B-I-O-T-I-X.com, and click on clinical trials. And this will link you to more information. In addition, there is more information on the C. diff foundation website, cdifffoundation.org, and at clinicaltrials.gov, as I told you before. Fantastic, Paul. We thank you for providing the key points related to clinical trials, the role of the FDA, and how clinicians, patients, and their families can learn more about the current RBX 2660 clinical trial for recurrent C. diff infections. At this time, we're going to change gears. Welcome, uh, Ken, back over to the program. Hello, Ken. Thanks for joining us again. My pleasure. Okay. And, um, Ken, let's discuss the science behind your product. What exactly is RBX 2660 and how do you source it? Excellent question. So I mentioned earlier that it's a micro, microbiota restoration therapy that's delivered by Enema. It's sourced from human fecal donations. Um, those are provided on-site at Rebiotics. The process of donation um, is very tightly in controlled um, through screening of, of, the, of the donor, screening of all of the donations, um, and that's done um, with with discussion, you know, based on just close discussions with the FDA, really for the purpose of ensuring that we can provide a consistent uh, product in every dose that we would deliver to a patient, and that we've screened it for many known potential risks to the patient. Um, once we have the donation process, the, the controlled donation process, going from that donation to the product that we deliver goes through a manufacturing process that's equally regulated and equally controlled. Um, it's very carefully documented such that every single dose is made the same way. We have records for every single dose. We can trace every single dose back to the patient. This entire process, again, is established with collaboration and consultation with the FDA and you kind of you can kind of see the theme start to emerge that we really value that collaboration with the FDA and that our goal is to have a, an approved product in the end um, and once we've delivered those products to the patient through the trials that that um, that Paul just mentioned uh, we don't stop with that with just the manufacturing process we also the back end of our trials also includes a very careful evaluation of how well we achieved that mission of restoring a healthier microbiome in the patient and what I mean by that um, is that we ask the patients that 
um, join our trials um, to uh, donate a fecal sample before treatment and at various time points after treatment. And then we can analyze their microbiome through that fecal sample and ask the question, did our product restore a healthier microbiome in those patients? And by and large, we see that that is the case. So really, we, you know, we take a scientific approach from the very beginning of not just making the product, but also of ensuring that that standardized, stabilized product does what we set out for it to do. And that's a very important and, and, and large part of what we're doing as well. Exactly. And thank you for doing all of that. And um, Ken, I have a question is um, about the donor programs. Um, they're not new, but donating fecal material is quite unique. How is donating the fecal material unique versus, say, um, blood, you know, um, donating blood? Well, it's a newer, it, I would say it's, an, it's a newer paradigm in healthcare. Um, so we, you know, we've been dealing with blood donations for a number of decades. Um, we've learned through bumps and bruises along the way um, of how to monitor that and what's involved. But there's even more perhaps unknowns in uh, fecal material and that it's made up of a wide variety of microbiomes and that means it's very, sorry, a wide variety of microorganisms. That means the process of carefully screening and regulating donors and donations is very important for this type of product. You need to know what you're delivering to a patient. You need to have some controls and structure around how this process is done. Um, and that's really what we've done and what we've sought to do. Okay. Um, Ken, how is uh, donated fecal material formulated into the final product? It's formulated um, with the intent to maintain as much of the intact microbiome as possible. So from the donation, there's a homogenization process, there's a removal of some of the non-biological material, and it's processed into a form that has what we call a cryoprotected, which means um, it's, it's an additive, it's a, safe, a known safe additive that preserves those microbiomes and their viability through storage. One of the things I mentioned early on that was distinctive um, is that it's a stabilized product. It's standardized and it's stabilized, so we can store this for longer terms as you would any other drug um, and deliver it to a patient with confidence that we've preserved what's in there. Um, and we actually monitor that preservation. Over time, we track what is, just like you would any other drug, you track the activity of your drug through storage and you ensure to the patient, to the healthcare provider, to the FDA, that here's my drug, here's how viable it is, here's how active it is over time. So that's, again, that's some, some really distinctive um, aspects of what we're doing. Okay, and Ken, before we go to break, would you mind taking the time to explain um, and tell us about the oral formulation, because previously you had mentioned about RBX 2660 being delivered via enema. So if you wouldn't mind um, explaining the oral formulation. Would love to. It's one of the most exciting things we're doing. So uh, I've been talking about a product delivered by enema that's very effective for a number of patients. There are some patients... Um, for some other indications or for C. diff that might prefer in the long term to have an oral capsule. Um, we've also developed an oral capsule form, basically taking that process that I described to you earlier and going a step further to process it into a lyophilized material that's in capsules. What's you, there are others in the industry trying to develop micro or developing microbiome um, 
capsules, but we're distinct in that we don't have to have ours stored in the freezer over the long term. We don't have to have ours delivered in the clinic. The patient experience was first and foremost um, in our minds as we were developing our oral formulation. Um, so it is truly the first of its kind um, lyophilized, which basically means freeze-dried um, with stabilizers, sort of like what I just described, um, non-frozen capsule. Um, it also contains live spore-forming and non-spore-forming microbiome, uh, sorry, microbes. It really seeks to capture, again, that entire healthy microbiome. Um, we view that as a very good option for some indications that might require longer-term or chronic dosing um, for some of the other indications I had alluded to. Uh, that's currently, this is very exciting, that's currently in a phase one um, physician-sponsored trial, uh, also in Minnesota, also to treat recurrent Clostridium difficile infections. We're expecting to have a data readout on that very soon. Um, we actually just initiated uh, an additional cohort of that trial, which basically means we chose to do another test another group of patients um, at a lower dose um, in that trial. So this is a very exciting product. Um, it's coming along immediately behind um, RBX 2660, and it's known, I don't think I mentioned, it's known as RBX 7455. Wonderful. Well, Ken, thank you for providing <coughs> Excuse me. The science behind RBX 2660 and the new phase one oral formulation, the rebiotics information, and for explaining a donor program to final product to our global listeners. At this time, we're going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will be reviewing key points discussed today and what's ahead for rebiotics. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To help support the C. Diff Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll-free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. The C. diff Foundation offers global community support sessions. C. diff can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the C. diff Foundation at 1-844-4C-DIFF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. 
Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to the program, and thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Ken Blount, and uh, from uh, Chief Scientific Officer from Rebiotics. Thank you, Beck, and welcome back to the show, Ken. Thank you. My pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. And earlier in our discussion, you mentioned leveraging the MRT platform to treat additional diseases. Can you talk about what it is? What is in Rebiotics's pipeline? Yeah, certainly. So I think the bigger picture is that there are a number of different indications or disease states related to the dysbiosis I mentioned, which again is just the imbalance of the gut microbiome. Um, we're we're seeing uh, we're seeing doctors and scientists link dysbiosis to various uh, intestinal disorders, to immune disorders, to gastrointestinal, to even neurologic disorders. We're currently, we currently have active trials in addition to our trials um, to prevent recurrent Clostridium difficile infections. Um, we have active trials that are physician-sponsored um, to treat uh, ulcerative colitis, which is a type of irritable bowel disease. Um, we're also looking at treating um, recurrent uh, urinary tract infections. Um, those may often be caused by multi-drug resistant organisms. I'm sure you've talked about those on here. Um, we're seeking to break the cycle of the recurrent urinary tract infections, much like uh, recurrent Clostridium difficile infections. And we also have an active trial to treat a condition called hepatic encephalopathy. This is basically neurologic um, conditions associated with end-stage liver disease. In that case, the dysbiosis leads to an imbalance of microbes and an imbalance of metabolites in the gut, and it leads to certain compounds building up in the gut and in the bloodstream that cross over into the brain and cause neurologic problems. And our treatment is seeking to reverse that by restoring that healthier microbiome and preventing those compounds that would harm the brain from, going, from building up in the, in the gut or in the bloodstream. And we're also looking to initiate a number of new trials over the next uh, year to 18 months for additional indications. So it's very exciting times, and these include both uh, the RBX 2060 and the oral capsule form, RBX 7455. Okay, thanks, Ken. And Ken, can you tell us what other products and indications you're exploring and why are these important? Yes, um, some of the ones that we're exploring but we haven't necessarily initiated a trial are things related to the ones we're doing now. So, for instance, um, I mentioned we have a trial in ulcerative colitis. Um, We're also looking at Crohn's disease. Um, That's another type of irritable bowel disease. It's slightly different. 
um, expression of the disease, if you will, but it's also related to an imbalance of the gut microbiome or the dysbiosis that has certain implications and consequences for the immune reaction in our gut. It can cause severe inflammation. Um, we're also, I think, like much of the field, we're also looking very closely um, at the connection between the microbiome and the response of certain cancer types to one of the newer therapies called immunotherapies. Um, it's very clear from a lot of different areas of science that the microbiome is closely, rela uh, closely related to our immune system and to activating certain parts of our immune system. And so the idea is that um, if one can activate the immune system in the right way, you can harness that immune system uh, more, more effectively than you otherwise would to actually treat the cancer and reduce the patient's tumor burden through the immune system itself. So I think there's a, you know, there's a, there's a wealth of really exciting science and really exciting um, medicine that we can really get at by treating the microbiome of patients and ultimately have a tremendous impact on quality of life patients in a very positive way. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Ken. And Ken, can you share with our listeners how innovation has been part of Rebiotics development as a company? Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier on that one of the things that one of the keys in what we do is to really look at restoring the whole microbiome, the intact microbiome. And one of the things that we do is ask the questions along the way. Did we do what we set out to do? That's very important. Rather than just making a drug and delivering it to a patient and say, saying all is good, you want to see how you're doing it because that educates how you make that next product. Where, what indications can be most treatable. So we look very closely at the different ways that one can uh, impact uh, or restore the microbiome. And we do things like sequencing the bacteria uh, in, the, in the fecal microbiome. We do various diagnostics. Um, we're looking at various scientific and mathematical algorithms to take the sequencing data and express them in terms of an index, sort of like you might see prostate specific antigen is an index that you can use to assess whether a, uh, a male has a, a potential for prostate cancer. We envision this field moving in the direction where you would have a similar microbiome health index um, to do the same sorts of things where you look at a patient and you can say, all right, this patient, based on the, their microbiome health index, it looks as though they may have certain types of microbiome imbalances maybe even before you're starting to see the manifestation of the symptoms, and then you recognize that that might be a patient that really could benefit. I think that's the direction this field is going, is understanding how the microbiome underlies many different disease states and perhaps even um, interacting earlier to really protect the health of the patient. And it's so wonderful. It's super exciting stuff. Absolutely. And Ken, thank you so much for providing the science behind the Rebiotic scientific approach and for discussing the Rebiotics pipeline information. We really appreciate that. Um, at this time, it's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, uh, Mr. Paul Plum, Head of Clinical Operations from Rebiotics. Welcome back to the program, Paul. Thank you, Nancy. Pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Um, right now, I'm going to ask you, Paul, with the clinical trials that are so important, as they demonstrate the safety and the efficacy of the treatments and drugs administered to patients, why is Rebiotics so passionate about clinical trials? You know, Nancy, you know, first I'd say we're passionate about clinical trials and our work to advance our DX2660 um, 
because we know, and in some cases because of its impact on our own families and friends, just how devastating this life-threatening infection is. Those that suffer from it and, and their loved ones and the caregivers that, that, that provide care for them. And that passion is also rooted in our belief in the investigation of the new drug development process and the type of clinical studies we are conducting at Rebotics to demonstrate the safety and efficacy of RBX2660. So conducting these studies, it requires the commitment of literally hundreds of study patient volunteers, clinical research investigators, their support staff, the people that make and ensure product quality, and many, many others. Our belief in this process and their commitment motivates us each and every day to do our very best. Fabulous. And Paul, where can people go to learn more about Rebiotics? Very, very easy, Nancy. Um, go to www.rebiotics.com. R-E-B-I-O-T-I-X. And there's a wealth of information about the company and our, our products, our clinical studies, and clinical pipeline. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to switch gears here and ask Ken, um, Ken, in the whole area of using microbes to treat diseases, it's innovative. How do you see the MRT changing the way certain diseases are treated? That's a great question. I think certain diseases, um, we tend to treat the symptoms rather than the root cause. Um, C. diff infections are a great example of that. When you have a, a C. diff infection, the traditional way to treat it has been take an antibiotic to kill the, the C. diff, the bacteria that's causing it. Well, of course, when you take that antibiotic, you're actually harming the bacteria that would, that you're not just killing the bacteria causing the disease, but you're killing some of the bacteria that would restore a healthy microbiome. It's what we've done because it's what we've had to do, but I think now we don't have to do that anymore. We can now treat the root cause, which is the disruption of that microbiome. We can restore the microbiome, and that's sort of a a small example of how we would like to view other disease states, wherein rather than treating the actual symptom or treating um, something on the surface, we're getting at the root cause. The ulcerative colitis that I mentioned before is another good example. In many cases, that's been treated by an anti-inflammatory. Basically, you're, you're trying to tamp down the patient's uh, in, inflammatory reaction to the dysbiosis, whereas now what we're doing is we're trying to correct that root cause dysbiosis so that there's no longer a, a, an inflammatory reaction to begin with. So I think it has the potential to really change the way we look at healthcare in general um, to treat our loved ones and our patients. Ken, can you um, take a moment and just explain to our global listeners again, what exactly is dysbiosis? Yes, absolutely. Dysbiosis is simply an imbalance of the microbiome. So imagine you've got a collection of bacteria and other microbiome, uh, sorry, other mi- microorganisms that make up your microbiome. Um, that's what you want it to look like. That can vary a little bit from person to person. It can vary from region to region based on your diet, based on your exercise level. But there are certain imbalances. For instance, when you take certain antibiotics, it may cause significant depletion of some of those bacteria that are really good. Um, and when you get those imbalances that are generally considered unhealthy, that's what we call dysbiosis, and that's really what we're trying to treat. Imagine a jungle that you've taken a, a very diverse and rich, teeming with life jungle that you've gone and you've destroyed part of it. You need to go and you need to restore that healthy ecology. 
um, in the jungle. That's, that's really an example of what we're trying to do. Okay. And thanks for taking the time to share that. And Ken, also the microbiome, is it going to be considered a new system or a part of uh, the gastrointestinal system? (laughs) Depends on who you talk to. I think many people are really starting to look at it as an organ in and of itself. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so related to so many different um, health parts of our health, um, our metabolism, the way we actually break down foods. Um, in many cases, we expect that and we believe that we've co-evolved with our microbiome to be able to eat the things we eat, to be able to have uh, the metabolic reactions that we have, the immune system that we have is very codependent on the microbiome. So I think one can start to view it as an organ in and of itself. Okay, and so I, I, I think I'm safe to say that a poor diet, uh, and a harmful environment, and of course, antibiotic use um, will definitely have a negative impact on the microbiome. Indeed. Um, and uh, going back again to the irritable bowel disease, some of the treatments, um, the ways of treating this now are aimed at restoring a healthier diet um, and asking whether that has a curative effect on the disease. It still remains to be seen whether that is sufficient in and of itself to restore the healthy microbiome. Um, But that is an important part of the microbiome is the diet, is the activity we have, and it's the external insult. When we have to have an antibiotic, we have to have it, but it's good to know what the implications are and how to fix any damage that it does. Exactly. So, Ken, where do you see the opportunities in the future for microbiome therapies? Um, I, I don't see limits. I'll put it that way. I see that the, the, the opportunities are tremendous. I mentioned earlier the number of indications that the microbiome is linked to from gastrointestinal to infectious diseases like C. diff and urinary tract infections, um, neurologic conditions. Um, there are, we're not studying this, but there are um, scientists who link microbiome with various neurologic diseases like autism, like uh, Alzheimer's, it remains to be seen. There's a lot of science in the area, so I think what we wait for is a very distinct and determined scientific uh, proof that the microbiome is the cause or could be the cure for some of these, and that's when we really start to get interested. But the science is so hot and so rapidly developing um, that we do expect um, many different indications, many different disease states, therapeutic areas will be involved in the microbiome. Um, another big example that I talked about is the cancer field. Um, so I think the, the, the sky is really the limit as to where this will take us, and I believe it will really revolutionize the way we, are, we look at our health and our wellness. And that's very powerful. And thank you so much for that, Ken. And before we close the show today, uh, are there any final thoughts you would like to share with our listeners? Ken? Absolutely. I've, got a couple, I've got a couple quick ones for you. And, uh, okay. and I would just say first that advocacy by the CETA Foundation and other supporter organizations are, are really vitally important to raise awareness about C. difficile infection, help patients find options, educate patients and caregivers, and you know, thank you again, Nancy, for all the work that you and the CDF Foundation do. It really is important work. And I just, just also say, again, is that Rebotics is really committed to 
high-quality clinical science by developing our microbiome-based drug products through rigorous, well-controlled clinical studies that demonstrate our safety and efficacy with the highest level of clinical evidence. We strongly believe this is the best way to advance healthcare and protect the public safety. Exactly. And, Paul, thank you so much for that. Um, We appreciate the kind words you share. Uh, You know, the CETA Foundation is a global organization working very hard with um, patients, families, and clinicians alike uh, to uh, promote and to elevate the awareness of clinical trials for C. difficile infections. Uh, That's one of our campaigns this year, and uh, clinical trials are are, are very necessary, and we appreciate all that you all are doing over at Rebiotics. And Ken, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Sure. In addition to thanking you guys, I'd love to thank all the scientists and doctors that are working with us. We talk a lot about the innovation that goes into this, and that doesn't happen without the commitment of clinicians, of scientists, and of the participants um, in our trials that are really committed to helping this go forward. Um, So it's very exciting, and we're really tremendously grateful um, to be able to share it with you uh, and your listeners today. Uh, well, you know, we always say uh, in our program, none of us can do this alone and all of us can do this together. And, and that is the truth. And we thank you both so much for your time today. And you you have shared a wealth of information about the gut microbiome and the role it plays in overall health. And Rebiotics is goal to rehabilitate the gut microbiome by utilizing their unique microbiota restoration therapy, also known as MRT platform, through its extensive clinical trial program. The science behind your products and product development and how patients are so important and play a big part in helping develop new drugs. We thank you both for joining us today on CDIP Spores and More, and we are truly grateful for your dedication in the CDIP community and putting patients first. I don't want to cry now. Okay, at this time, the members of the CDIF Foundation wish to acknowledge all of the organizations around the globe dedicated to improving health, the organizations and professionals researching and developing new products addressing C. difficile infection prevention and treatments protecting the gut microbiome and addressing environmental safety worldwide. To learn more about C. difficile infection and recurrent C. difficile infections, clinical trials that are in progress, and how you may be able to take part in a clinical study, please visit the CDF Foundation's website, cdifoundation.org, and click on the tab, Clinical Trials in Progress. Please help them help you to help others. We send out our get well wishes to all patients being treated and recovering from a C. difficile infection and the many wellness-draining illnesses being combated across the globe. I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, with our reminder, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We wish you good health and a good day. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We'll be right back. 